0: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Millennial Manhood. This is your host, Javitsa Djurjevic. And today I've got Nate Riggs with me. Uh, interesting guy. He uh, spent 10 years in the United States Navy as a helicopter search and rescue swimmer, uh, which is bananas to me. I mean, talk about an intense line of work and especially going into that as a guy in his early 20s. Uh, we talked a lot about just life and um the maturity and the development that happens in such an intense field of work. Uh, he's since transitioned into the real estate world and how that transition happened and how he saw himself go from an incredibly structured world in the military to one where you have unlimited freedom and the pros and cons that come from that. Uh, for everybody listening at manhood pod, if you want to check us out on Instagram, uh, you can see this podcast on YouTube. So the full podcast is on YouTube millennial manhood podcast. Look that up. The link will be in the description and as always give us a five star on iTunes and subscribe to the YouTube channel. If that's how you choose to start to engage with episodes. And without further ado, here's the podcast. <laughs> All right, so so folks who who don't know who Nate Riggs is, Nate is a super interesting guy. We got to talk on the phone the other day. Um, I'll let you tell your story, but w- what what's your story? What's your background? Who's Nate?
1: Yeah, so uh, I'll give you the you know the short compressed version, and then we can kind of pick parts of it. You know, uh, basically, I'm a Florida guy, Florida man, and uh, born in Florida on the East Coast. lived in Tampa, live in Jacksonville. Currently, I'm in Jacksonville. I uh, have always been involved in real estate, um, so I do the real estate thing. Um, however, I got my license when I was like 20. Originally, the Great Recession happened. I had to kind of shift careers. That landed me in the Navy. I was there for 10 years. So I kind of overlapped real estate on the front end and the back end. Um, I joined the Navy as a helicopter search and rescue swimmer, which is a pretty cool job. There are some other jobs they kind of dupe you into once you're there, Um, but it was cool nonetheless. But the final 18 months of that career I was, um, well, actually the final three years I was an instructor. And so the final 18 months, I turned my real estate license on so that I could, kind of overlap and uh, have a smooth transition. I do have a, two kids, have a wife, you know, so there there was no allowance for um, not having a paycheck anytime, you know what I mean? So we created that transition uh, last January, kicked off our first full-time year of real estate. Of course, it was 2020. You had COVID, you had the election season, you had all that stuff, which was crazy. At the same time, I'm starting a brand new career. Um, however, we were pretty uh, successful, enjoyed it. And that's almost that kind of led us up to where we are today. It's interesting. So a couple of questions. Uh, I do want to get
0: into the search and rescue stuff because that sounds fascinating and yeah. terrifying. At the same time. Yeah, yeah. Um, but at 20, most people are worried about how they're going to afford to buy, you know, a, a 12 pack of Natty light. What's making you go into, into real estate?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. Um, well, real estate was kind of always like in our family, So, uh, my parents both have the real estate license and that was kind of a side thing. However, my grandmother had her license and, uh, I think even like her father and stuff and not just uh, having a real estate license as an agent, but we're into real estate. So she also was owner developer of like townhomes. Um, my grandpa, he came back from world war II, and he, uh, opened the sportsman's marina and lodge. So that's like short term rental commercial style. Um, real estate. So as a kid, I'm growing up in that world. I'm going around with grandma. And at one point we even had a, like a laundromat. So I'm riding in the car with grandma to collect coins and do maintenance on, you know, the machines. Um, Even like soda, you know uh, you got, you got the lodge or you've got different properties. You're going and you're filling soda machines in the lobby. So, so everything from just, I mean, that was kind of it. Um, that was kind of the childhood. Oh, oh we also owned a flower shop. So again, that's kind of business world. So most kids are at daycare. I'm like taking naps under the front desk at the flower shop, locking myself in the cooler, um, all sorts of stuff. So I always kind of had that passion for it. And um, you brought the 20 years old thing. Yeah. So I left high school and I went to college. Um, I actually went the first... I didn't know this. I didn't know any better. I went the first semester in San Diego, California. I didn't understand that you paid way more to go to out of state schools. So, after one semester and I figured that out, I was like, holy crap, I'm going to go back to uh, Florida. And so then I came to UNF, was going to school for real estate. And then I learned you don't actually have to have a degree to get your. license so I, that's how it happened so young because I was like well I'm gonna just take the course then instead of a four-year degree I'll take the course and then went back down to Tampa and started um started doing real estate mm. I lo- okay so how did you come to the
0: conclusion um that you don't have to go to school to figure out how to do real estate
1: well I guess um I, I guess I can't really I don't really know what the answer to that is I get I probably just um I don't remember, honestly, but probably just talking to the parents and stuff. But essentially, there's two routes. You can take a four-year degree. At the end of that degree, you get your bachelor's degree, you're in real estate, and you get your your license, and you can start um, being compensated for the act of helping others purchase and sell real estate. That's kind of the verbiage of it. Yep. Also, there's a 60-hour course that you can take. So you go one week, 10 hours a day, Monday through Saturday. At the end of the Saturday class, you're all in the room with people and you take a uh, pen and paper test. And once you get that certificate, now you can just file with the state and take a state test and then you're licensed. So, of course, I mean, that just made sense. I was like, I I think originally I didn't intend to quit college. I was going to keep going to school still, but I was like, rather than working at the mall I could be doing what I want to do and you know what I mean? I was always trying to kind of get an upper, upper edge or, uh, yeah,
0: you sell one $360,000 house in a year. That's a hell of a lot more money than you'll ever
1: earn at the mall working for you. That's true. So, um, yeah, it was, it was really good. I just kept a job at express though. That way I could get a f- discount on clothes. That's the most 20 year old thing I've ever heard. of. <laughs>
0: That's because of the discount. Okay. Yeah. So how do you end up in the Navy though? What, what happens then?
1: Okay, so uh, I go down to Tampa and I sold a couple houses, but it wasn't enough for me to quit that mall job. And then, of course, we're rolling right into 2007, 2008, 2009. So the Great Recession, which this recession happened to be brought on by a housing crisis. So here I am, I'm now at this point 21 or 22 or something. And um, I'm going to listing presentations, trying to list people's houses. Uh, long story short, never got those listings. Later, those houses are foreclosed and empty. I mean, it, you can go back and kind of do some research on that time period if you're if anybody's unfamiliar, but it was bad. And so everybody was losing jobs, changing work, including my parents. They kind of were transitioning, um, in fact, because the job that my dad had, his housing was provided for him. So once he sh- changed jobs, that house went away. So mom and dad are moving. And I'm like, it's time for me to get out of mom and dad's house. Um And what am I going to do? And the Navy had that slogan, uh, jumpstart your career or something at the time. They changed the slogan every once in a while. But I was like, you know what? This is for me. Um, I've always been a little bit of like – I've been a pretty patriotic guy uh, most of my life. It's just kind of how I was brought up. But we weren't like a huge military family or anything. Early on, I was figured I would go like in the Marines or something. And I'm kind of glad because I probably – if I would have went like right out of high school, I would have ended up in Iraq or something. And, um, you know, that – Probably wouldn't have been the best course once I was a little older, I started looking for like the Navy has career options. you know I'm a little bit wiser I'm a little bit more athletic different things. Um, so I got into search and rescue we always were into aviation and um, growing up in Florida I mean I was a lifeguard I taught swimming lessons. it seemed kind of like a natural like let's marry those two together.
0: Mm-hmm. interesting. so so you go from college kid. You don't even know that you're supposed to pay out-of-state tuition. Yeah. So you know that little about <laughs> life at that point. Right. You figure that part out. You come back to Florida. You're still a college kid. You're selling real estate. Next thing you know, you're being thrown in a bunch of water saying, hey, figure this out. So how, how much of a shock was that to your system of like, oh, this is what real life is like?
1: Man, it was kind of crazy. Um, you're Right. Like it was kind of – it was huge and you're going to a – Every two weeks, a steady paycheck, a real like career level like paycheck. Um, it's it's two years of school. It's about five total classes in two years of school to even get um, to become a rescue swimmer. You start off, you know, of course, you go to boot camp. Then you're going to like survival training. Then you're going to a basic like aviation uh school which is a few weeks and this is where they're putting you in like spinning machines they call it like spin and puke you know what i mean they're testing because and and the whole while people the attrition rate right is really high and everybody thinks okay well it's like a 75 percent attrition rate but this happens over the course of two years um you know what i mean and so then you get past that because some people get motion sickness and right away they're like okay well you're cut from program like you can't yeah. you know um then you're at rescue swimmer school. And this is a pretty intense school. Um, our original class, we started with 24 guys. I think six guys graduate that course. So that's probably one of the toughest ones. Where it gets a little crazier is right after this. Um, I flew in a helicopter that was a multi-role helicopter. And for the Navy, we also did had radar on the system. And we had like underwater, um, so anti-submarine warfare. So now all of us are kind of like this like jock mentality athletic mentality we know nothing about the other side of the mission of this platform um and then they're like okay you're going to oceanography and we're like what is oceanography and then we get in there and it's just that's a 17-week course and that's where you find out you're like oh so i'm only i'm doing search and rescue but then i'm also running radar out of the back of this you know and radar can help you um locate you know if there's distress going like a sailboat or something now you're up and you're running radar you know what I mean? It's kind of like a viable part of that. Um, or when you're when you're with a ship in the navy, you got to go find other ships. You got to go find other things. That's how we use it. Um, then you finally start flying. Flying is cool. Um, but yeah, then once you get to the to the fleet, we call it. Um, now you're in the shop, and after two years of like grueling school, you're the new guy again. It's like it seems like you're always. The, it's five schools, so every time you're like you're graduating this school, and then you're the new guy again. And so it starts all over.
0: It's, it's a lot of work.
1: A now. bit every single time. Yeah. And like your attention and everything, the whole time you're taught attention to detail. I mean, a, the, the, the Seahawk helicopter, which is essentially a Black Hawk helicopter, which is the Navy variant. I mean, it's got, I don't know. I don't know how many parts. I don't want to put a number on it, but a lot of moving parts. And every time you get ready to go fly, you've got to check these parts. And you realize I'm flying in this helicopter that was in the hangar last week that a bunch of 18 and 20 year olds took apart bolt by bolt to do inspections and repairs on and then put it back together. I mean, it's, it's a collective effort from everybody. Um, so just your attention to detail and attention to things, you know, is huge.
0: Mm, Interesting. So you,
1: so something interesting, I've had this
0: conversation with a lot of folks who were in the military. So you were in the military for what, eight years, 10 years? Yeah. 10 total. Okay. So, for all my buddies who were in the military and then left, they all basically tell me the same theme of, dude, it's really hard because it becomes part of your identity. And a lot of folks get lost after that point because they lose that structure, they lose that identity, they lose that core culture. Did you struggle with that at all or did you have an easier transition? or like, talk to me about that.
1: That's good. That's a good point that you brought up, the identity part. I almost had an opposite and... I kind of struggle with the identity the whole time I was in. I worked really hard to never lose my person. So for instance, the military uses terms like civilian and military. And then guys start talking and they're like, well, my civvies. And I don't know if you've heard this word, but they say civvies. And I'm like, what do you mean? They're like, well, your civilian clothes. And I'm like, how about my jeans and a t-shirt? Or how about my normal clothes? It's not my uniform. Those are my my clothes they're not so they start categorizing everything and you're right and after time the military is their identity it's a huge part of my life it's like i'm not gonna knock any part of it it was a job like any job and um i didn't want a job i wanted to do like what i'm doing now real estate my own thing but i used it um and there's a lot of benefits and i learned a lot so One of the things that was good about it, um, when I was younger selling real estate, nobody's your boss. Nobody's telling you to wake up in the morning. So it's very easy to be like, I'm going to hit the beach this morning or I'm going to go surf or I'm going to do this. After 10 years in the Navy where you have a job, people are counting on you. It's, you know, it's high risk. You have to pay attention to everything. It's very easy for me in this real estate game to get up every single day, go to work and outperform others in my own industry now you know so you're
0: you're not a a threat of dying every moment
1: yeah the transition was hard the biggest part about the transition that i found out that was difficult was like the navy i'll say this it's and i've talked to people not just the military but from corporate jobs they've left to go into real estate and i think it's harder to leave an organization than it is to even start (laughs) you think that the paperwork or the signups and the training is hard at the beginning at the end I had this idea that I was like, okay, I'm coming up on my last day. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna work, and then the I'm I'm gonna leave. But no, you've got to get like medical screenings. You got to get your paperwork. You got to cl- close these accounts, open these. You know what I mean? There's so much to it. Um, so the transition could definitely be tough. Clothes. Yeah, it's Let's, Sorry, go ahead.
0: No, no, go ahead. Finish off.
1: Um, clothes was hard. That was harder than me because, like I said, I did have normal clothes, and then I had my uniform for work. But now, what do I wear to work? Yeah. So it was kinda of tough. So I went through a couple different like, you know, am I gonna be a suit and tie guy? Or am I gonna be like the Tommy Bahama guy? Or am I gonna be like, you know, jeans and a t-shirt guy? So that was kind of like that was one are of the Are there challenges.
0: even suit and tie guys in, in residential real estate anymore?
1: There are. Um, I call them Doug. And no <laughs> offense to any no offense to any Dougs out there. We just <laughs> That's funny. Doug and I know, Bart. I know in the commercial
0: space some brokers still still wear suits, but I feel like suits I entered the professional world in 2011 and I feel like suits were still like, this is like Mad Men time, you know, pocket square, all that good stuff. And I feel like over those, over the last 10 years, it's become less, especially with Corona, um, it's become less and
1: less of a necessity to wear a suit. Yeah. I agree with you too. It depends. So like if I, most of the people that I end up doing business with are in my sphere, or Mm -hmm. what most people would say oh your family and friends and then you grow that and you add people to this sphere. um the sorry i was getting distracted from something there um the suit deal i've got it i've got one i've got a couple it's important to have and depending on your price point or depending on people you don't know like you get one chance to make a first impression so if i get a phone call or if i get a lead like hey uh, this guy or my buddy, and we need you to come over and list your house. I do it kind of out of respect for them. When you're going to someone's house and $400,000, 300,000, 200, it doesn't matter. Like these are, this is a, this is people's investment. This is people's finances. This is people's money. And those are big numbers. And I'm showing up to their house and I'm going to give them a one hour, introduction of me and why they should trust me to help them with whatever, whether they're buying or selling. I want, you know what I mean? So I think sometimes like it's important to dress nice. Now, often, you know, I went and showed a house in like a tank top the other day and somebody was like, are you really doing that? And I was like, well, I've known this person for 12 years. I've been showing them stuff. You know what I mean? You know, so now we're in a comfortable setting. Yeah, I'm going to do that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. So so you get into real estate. And, and one of the things that I found really interesting is you were talking about how, you know, in real estate, nobody's your boss. And, and I've been in the financial services world, the insurance world, the investment world, et cetera. And it's the same exact deal. Nobody's your boss. So I've, i yeah. me personally in my corporate, in my corporate life, I mean my work life, I've never had to answer to anybody and, and be somewhere. And that's a really hard thing to develop as a young man. Um, Now, the Navy will do that real quick because you don't really have a choice. Yep. But what are are some of the key things besides, you know, being yelled at and told to get up? uh, (laughs) What are some of the key things that helped you build some of those habits, those good habits to where you're not having to be micromanaged? Because quite frankly, in my world, if I ever had a manager tell me. Uh, and my managers don't do that, but I'm saying like, if I ever had a manager tell me, he's like, you need to get up at seven tomorrow and you need to do, I'll be like, okay. And here's my two weeks notice. Have a nice day. Right. Um, right. you know, I'll, I'll wake up at four in the morning, which I've done to get crap done. And other days I might wake up at seven thirty or eight and that's okay because I plan out my week because I'm responsible enough to know how to strategize my week. So anyway, what helped you learn those things?
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, I would say, you know, Man, that is a that is a good question. Uh, Lately, I've been getting into books, honestly. And what are you reading? Well, um, so I'm reading the One Thing right now. I actually got it sitting. I love that book. Uh, Last week, I read It Doesn't Have to Be Crazy at Work. Have you read that one? I have not. Similar to the One Thing, it's like you shouldn't be having meetings about the meetings to talk about. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And distractions. Now he gets a little crazy. Oh well, I don't want to say crazy. I apologize. These books are like tools and you only need, you need uh, the more you read, the more knowledge you have, but it doesn't mean that you have to use all that knowledge, but it's nice to Correct. have you,
0: Yeah. When you need a, when you need to uh, screw something and you use a screwdriver,
1: you don't use a hammer. Right, exactly. So, uh, it doesn't have to be crazy at work. goes as far to say that there's no goals where I think one thing is like focus on one thing, but you also need to have big goals. I, I think the big goals help. And I think having, I think it's okay to want things and need things. And for me, I mean, we've always kind of been a middle-class family. So I come, I know we were kind of involved in real estate, but we never were really, um, never really at the top of the game or we were never really, you know, and there were different periods of time where we, um, you know, we struggle with things or it, like, I, like for, we'd be eating dinner down at the, uh, at the family community center. Now as a kid, I'm just like, oh, we're just going to have spaghetti on foam plates at the community center. This is great. When you get older and you look back, you're like, that means we were poor. We were yeah. free food down at the city hall. Okay. Yeah. So, um, coming from that, I'm like, okay, so my dad was able to kind of get, kind of get us from there to here. And now I'm picking up and I want to kind of build a legacy and I kind of want to break that mold. I don't want, I don't want my kids to start over. It came. So, so we went from like community dinners to the time I graduated high school We have a swimming pool with a hot tub, waterfall, everything. You know what I mean? Comfortable living. My dad's able to provide a car for me. And so this is great. But then once I left, I feel like this middle class habit happens where I'm leaving and now I have to start over. So then time goes by and I'm like looking at the clock and I'm like, it's been 15 years since I left home and I still don't have a pool in my yard. And that frustrates me. I'm like, we should be able to create a transition to where like I pick up right where my dad left off and I don't have to start from scratch again. You know what I mean? Um, and I think there is this kind of mentality that that a lot of middle-class families have where like, I've taught you everything. Now go forth. You know what I mean? And I'm so part of getting into real estate, part of getting into that, um, like even the Navy, I could do a career in the Navy, 20 years. I could retire. I could collect the paycheck and my wife and me could have an RV and travel and be very comfortable. But what does that do for my kids? There's no, there's no family business to pick up. There's no, no, I'm just sending them out. Start, start from scratch like I did. So I don't, so I don't want them to start from scratch. And maybe that is like my motivation. That is my like reason, my why for getting up every morning for being, you know what I mean? Taking initiative, wanting to be better than the next guy is so, you know, I can hand down to my kids and let them pick up where I left off rather than start from scratch. See,
0: that's such an interesting conversation that. Very topic you just hit on because there's this there's almost this culture in a in the American way of thinking of like I don't want my kids to be spoiled and I don't and I want them to earn their keep and yada 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 and yeah that's a relatively new way of thinking now I I also don't think your kids should be the Vanderbilts where they blow you know the the largest fortune ever in two generations okay yeah there's got to be a middle ground somewhere on something. And the reason I say it's a new thinking, like if you lived 200 years ago and your dad died and passed on his land to you, nobody would say, Oh, you didn't earn that land. Right. Right. But why is that? Because you still have to wake up every morning and go plow the fields. You still have to go, you know, harvest. You, you you have to work that land. Right. So to me, trying to figure out what is the best way to where my children have the advantages and privileges that my family sets up for them without being degenerate jerks basically who don't work that's you know cool. what I mean like that's that's figuring out that that middle balance to where they do have they do have it i want them to have advantages that i didn't have that's the point of life we get that yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah right <laughs> okay this is an important part of this t- uh, subject i don't know the answer i don't know where that frame of mind comes from i don't know if it's I don't know if it's put on by people who who didn't get anything handed down and there's like a negative feeling rather than a motivation. Like like I came, you know what I mean? I experienced not really having anything handed down or not anything to pick up. And I know not all jobs are like that. Not everybody has a trade job. So mm-hmm. like I said, there's plenty of people that do a career in the Navy and that's fine. And But there's ways to spend our money wisely. Even if you have a career job, you know, I sat down with a client last night he gets paid very well from his job and so i start and i started talking to him i said well we helped you buy a house but are you buying any investment properties are you buying any and for me the avenue is real estate okay rather than you guys blowing your money let's over the next 10 years let's build your real estate portfolio let's because you can live off of your finances alone Mm -hmm. and so if we pour that finance you keep your job but over the next 10 years instead of blowing money we start wisely investing in properties in ten, you know, over a 10 year period. Now you've got a separate set of income. Now, because you still have your job and you're financially stable, let's use that extra income from rents and from your income properties to pay the income properties off. Now in another 10 years, they're all paid off. So you've got 10 homes that have appreciated in value. They paid themselves off. And now you have this. Now this also gives, when you have kids, this gives an opportunity for you to show them work to, so, so you have a job, but you also are you spending your money wisely and you're showing them how to do that. You can, you know, bring them to the rental properties. You can bring them. And I, again, I'm a real estate guy, so I'm going to, I'm going to give examples from real estate. There's, there's so many avenues out there to do that. Um, so I think that's one way to do it. And you're right. Like there are, there are families in America and like, I mean, we could name names, but not to name names. There are people who are billionaires and their kids are very successful and very put together. And they're in, inheriting that business, stepping into their, 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 their parents' role. There are also billionaires where we see the kids on TMZ every week. You know what I mean? Like, And yeah. what are they doing to kind of like contribute? And it doesn't look like much. So um, I think that is important. Probably just like, maybe in short, the answer is just being proactive about it.
0: I have... Uh, somewhat of a theory on that though too i think it's also part of passing the buck um and not wanting to take responsibility as a parent here's the thing money is an amplifier if you're a terrible human being you'll just be a worse human being when you're rich if you're a great human being you'll just be a better human being when you're rich okay that's good um if your kids suck it's not because you have money it's because you're a bad parent yeah, <laughs> like a lot. Yeah. Of, and and when I mean suck is like they don't value you, they don't not that they they're a problem child because I- anybody can have, you know, issues. But I'm talking about and you know what I'm talking about, what I'm trying to describe. Like just the self-righteous jerks who can't care about anybody but themselves. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's cuz y- like you were either using money as a replacement, you instead of your love and attention and 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 now you're saying like, "Oh, I don't want I don't want to I don't want to you know, give them anything. They got to earn it. It's like, well, they could have earned it throughout their entire life by showing you they were responsible. They care. They wanted to help people, et cetera. So, so it's my point to all that is it's not black or white. There is a lot of shades of gray in between, um, on how things can be done on, on, you know, how to pass on money, how to pass on assets. How to help your kids build out? Maybe, maybe you put some contingencies in place. Maybe like, hey, look at twenty two, you don't get anything. I want to see some. I want to see some progress at twenty five, at 30, 35, If they haven't shown that before, different people mature at different rates. So yeah. to have just some overarching rule of thumb, you know, as we as we seem to have in culture, just seems unreasonable to me because all humans are
1: different. Yeah, no, that's good too. That's good. I um, don't know, so, man. It's kind of, it's, it's crazy. It's just, I, you, you said gray area. I use the term spider web a lot. I don't think there's, there's no, um, there's no, we can look back. Like I could look back on my life. Well, where did this go wrong? What is this? What, you know, and there's so many factors that come, come, you know what I mean? Come into, uh, come into play to create your personality or who you are or where you are today. And, and then there's outside things like there's, social policies and in government policies and then there's social norms and other things and it's this big spider web that kind of creates where we're at so it's hard to look back you know sometimes people well, back in the day this wasn't a thing or this and I'm like well yeah but was there one that may be true it may not be true it may just be what you're taught about perceiving. what was back yeah and perceiving um but you probably can't go back to like 1970 and be like, this day in September, this happened, and that put us on. You know what I mean? It's, it's too big. It's too big to yeah. kind of do that. Well, we also we also
0: glamorize the past. Nostalgia is a real thing. Yeah. Uh, I talk about this all the time. I've gone on several rants. Like, life is better in 2021 than it has been at any point in history. Like, you have indoor plumbing. Shut yeah. up. Yeah. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> is life perfect? No. Life is not perfect. Far from it. But go be a peasant in Poland 220 years ago and then tell oh me how hard like 2021 is. Dude,
1: you're – that is spot on. I mean, and, and coming from – and this is so – this is probably so stereotypical. But coming from a Navy guy who's traveled the world too, like we have it so good and people don't even know it. I wish everybody got, I know that it's impossible for everybody to get the chance to, it just is impossible. It's impossible to say everyone should be a small business owner and then they don't, like it wouldn't work. Um, And and people don't want to be,
0: not everyone is
1: made the same, like we said. Which is fine. Like there are plenty of people who like prefer to have a union job and go in on an assembly line and go home. You know what they get the benefit of? They get to go, they punch the clock at five o'clock and they don't have to worry about it. I'm fielding phone calls and emails and like as much as much as I would love to like have business hours oh excuse me as much as I'd love to have business hours right now like I haven't I'm still in the building process so I've got to be flexible and work weekends and work evenings you know Um, hopefully once we get more and more successful we build a team and now we have staff and we have okay well you're on this shift this week or this and then we're able to feel that and have normal hours, but it would be nice. I mean, I get it. You're right. Some people don't want to be a business owner and that's fine,
0: you know? Yeah. And and there's, okay, so let's talk about that because there's a lot of douchebaggery in the business community uh, when you go to these conferences and things where it's almost looked down upon people who don't want to be business owners. It's like, hold on, yeah. If everybody was a business owner, then you wouldn't be able to have any businesses. Yeah. Like it, it doesn't, It. it's not... There's a there's a level of efficiency, like you said, there is a value to be able to punch the clock at five and be done emotionally and mentally,
1: right? Right.
0: That you can't quantify financially. Exactly. And let's make something very clear: um, if you're working for a lobbying firm in D.C. or if you're working for, I don't know, a, a major insurance company or 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 in, in private equity, and you're an employee and you're raking in one point five million. You're an employee raking in a million and and a half. That's a hell of a lot more than a lot of realtors that I know.
1: Yeah. I think like the average is like 30 grand or something nationwide. It might be like 48 now just because of inflation or something, but um, it's not like most real estate agents. The crazy thing is um, like in Jacksonville, there's just, there's like 8,000 agents. But if you look at the books of how many people perform, you know, consistently, or at least at a level that like they're providing for a household, it's like 1500 total. And then when you've got, um, almost a million people in Jacksonville alone, like not just like the surrounding areas, but just the city Jacksonville, um, which by the way, is kind of interesting the way it's divided up geographically, but you're like, there's plenty of business to go around. There's plenty. And like, and at the same time, if, If you're not into that, I don't know. I'm kind of getting lost here, but like, it's just not everybody could do it. Right. Like if everybody quit their job and was like, I'm gonna be a real estate agent, you know? Yeah. Everybody be selling their own home. Yeah.
0: So. Yeah. Yeah. There's skill sets that we all have. We need people with all kinds of different skill sets. We, we need I mean, I've got, I've talked about this before, my wife and I've talked about this before. Like, I hate the fact that we feel like everybody has to go to college. It's like, that's, yeah, that's not true. I think there's a social aspect that's very valuable to college, but from a trade school standpoint, yeah, some people just aren't like, some people are just better at working with other parts of their body. For example, their hands or they're, they're, they're good at problem solving. They're really freaking smart at figuring out how to, you know, get these pipes under this house <laughs> to where there's water.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I had. Um, I want to. Bring, can I share like a Navy story? This is kind of a Go funny story. It. And I don't want to. uh I don't want it to be interpreted like I. You know. But we'll get. We'll, you'll get the point. But so on my first deployment, I was on a destroyer, and um, of course I'm young. This is my first deployment. Um, search and rescue guy. I'm like the most. We had like a three man. There's we don't have to get into all details, but I'm the I'm the like the bottom of the food chain here when it comes to like the star guys on the boat. Um, so out we're on a Navy destroyer and there's a few hundred people and and I'm the youngest star guy. And I'm like, I'm trying to make it down to our birthing. This is where we sleep, kind of like our bedroom while I'm on my way down there. There's this guy on the boat and this guy had like he was a cook, but he lost his job there. Then he was working in the laundry room uh, and then he lost his job there and then he was on. Like he's just like moving supplies on around the ship as needed. So mm-hmm. I like come, logistics. I'm coming down this like ladder well, and he's coming up and he's like he's putting a box of of a uh, of like Gatorade here, and then he goes back down. He comes up, he puts a box here, and he puts a box here. He walls himself in with these bo- like he's putting him like he's going up the stairs, and he's just sent him. He comes up with one in his hands right as I'm trying to go down. So for one, he's walled in the whole thing, so you can't go down. He's holding it, and he's like he's just looking and he doesn't know what to do. And so I'm like, give me the boxes. And so I move and I stack all the boxes. And then he just goes about his business. I don't think there was like a thank you or a communication. And I was like, the young man in me was like, so frustrated, so mad. And I used to do these things that they called rigs rants. Um, people started asking me for rigs rants because like
0: Riggs rants,
1: I could come in Monday morning and like fire it up. Now, I eventually started self-reflecting and was like, this is kind of like a negative thing. I don't know if I want it to be, if, if I'm, I'm so I realized that when I come in the room, I, I have the ability to change the energy in the room. And if I'm doing it through a rigs rant, it's kind of inherently negative. And if I want to change yeah. the energy, I kind of want it to be positive. So anyways, that's another story, but a chief kind of, I learned a pretty valuable lesson. Cause I was ranting about this guy on the ship and I'm like, people should not, people with this caliber shouldn't even be allowed to be on the ship. Is what I, Like, you know what I mean? And it, and it was like, I was coming down on this guy and, and my chief kind of talked to me and he's like, okay, so those boxes got to get moved. That stuff has to get done. Are you going to do it? And I was like, I don't know. And he's like, if we had you doing it, it would be an invaluable use of your time because of your jobs. Import- you know what I mean? So like, mm. he's kind of teaching me, like, it was so important. That job that that guy was doing, I'm looking down on it, but he's like, this is a super important job around here. and there's other people have different skill sets. If, if your skill, you know, it would be a waste of your skill set if we had you doing that instead of your job. And so yeah, that was kind of like, that was interesting to me. And that, that goes up and down all, all levels. You got to kind of find, you know, where you fit in and where others do. And that's okay. Correct. And, and you got to figure out efficiency. I mean, you've got a,
0: like a good example is like, you know, back in a day, um, you know, a hundred years ago, whenever the the washing machine was was invented, people used to wash their clothes all day at the river. Well, when yeah. the washing machine was invented, <laughs> like people didn't keep washing their clothes all day. Like they turn it on, they're like, doo, 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 doo. I'm just going to stand here for the next three hours. No, they went and did other things because life became more efficient. Yeah, so true. Um, you know, I think we all have to adapt. We all have to figure out. We all have to. Um, we all have to create levels. Um, and figure what, what, what we're good at. You know, it does drive me a little insane that people basically have this attitude of superiority because they happen to have a degree and they happen to work in an office. And it's like, look, dude, all the things you're looking down upon, if all those things stop you, it doesn't matter what office you're in, your life will be completely shattered. Yeah. So there has to, you have to show value to other human beings. And, um, you, you know, it's also complete side note. The fact that you're reading the one thing and you're at Keller Williams is by far the most stereotypical thing I've ever seen.
1: <laughs> so. It is. Um, so you know, Gary's pretty cool. And I mean that's part of why I'm at Keller Williams, I guess. Um a yeah. lot of people ask and well, why are you at, you know, Keller Williams? And and for some people, um, most people say like the culture. Now I was at mm-hmm. Century Twenty One when I first started. And so I, but again, there was a there was a gap there. So I don't know what they're culture is century 21 now. And I don't even know like and I'm like what does the mean the word culture really mean? And so it's hard for me to kind of even define. Um but I guess maybe that is why like I just I fit in there. Um there's a lot of things that I like. There's a lot of systems and tools and stuff I'm able to take advantage of at the company. Um and I also kind of have the personality that the things that I don't like, I just kind of shrug off. And I'm mm-hmm. I'm kind of of the belief that like I okay I know myself I know my drive I could probably be successful at another brokerage just as like just as successful as I am here but I like what they have to offer enough that I stay here um and yeah. yeah so of course I'm gonna read yeah I just books. thought it was funny
0: I, I love the one thing it's one of my favorite books I've talked about it a lot on the podcast it's um,
1: yeah it just keeps your life like simple really
0: it does, it does. And it, it it brings to the forefront some of the things that a lot of us we just get lost in the weeds. We get lost in in some of the I don't know, the the task lists and to do lists. So we feel yeah. busy, we feel all this stuff, and in reality none of it really matters. Yeah. Um we are coming up on time over here though, so Okay. You know, I, yeah. I wanna ask you I wanna ask you a question I ask everybody when they get on the podcast so okay. You go back to eighteen year old Nate, wide eyed, bushy tailed. Uh, ready to conquer the world in San Diego doesn't realize he's paying you know 30 grand a, a semester or whatever it is that's yeah, yeah,
1: uh, yeah, not even a joke <laughs> yeah
0: it's a lot of money but if there's besides besides telling him about out-of-state tuition so let's take that off the table if you could go back to 18 year old you knowing all that you know about yourself at this stage in life and just knowing all that you know in general at this stage in life what's one
1: piece of advice you'd give him man one piece of advice kind of probably do enjoy the moment and take your time
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and to not find if we talk financially um i kind of my early years in the navy was spent buying dodge chargers and harley davidsons and if i if i would have done like we talked about that investment stuff earlier and i had the capability to do that but nobody taught me Nobody showed me. And one of the biggest things I try to bring into any podcast or any um, talk that I'm in for young people, for young men and women is like, you can get the toys later and you'll, you still like at 33 now, I'm like, I'm still, I have toys now, but, and they're still just as fun as they were at 18. And I tell you what, they would have been a lot more, they'd be a lot more fun if my investments were paying for them versus me just now starting the investment game. So when you're young and you either get in the Navy or the, or the military and you have that paycheck or you just finished college and you picked up that great job, you know, in the corporate world, um, or you're starting your business and you're like me doing the real estate stuff. As you start to get income, start looking at the investments, whether it's real estate or whatever type of investments you want. Look for investments that pay for themselves and then pay you. And then in 10 years when you're 28, you're still under 30 those investments are going to buy those toys rather than debt. Yeah. Exactly. Buy assets that pay for your liabilities. Don't buy liabilities. Yeah. Keep it simple. Yeah, yeah. Keep it simple. So.
0: Awesome. Uh, how can people get a hold of you?
1: Um, it's pretty easy. Uh, the best way is probably Instagram at Nate Riggs Official. Um, you can get me on Facebook. I have a page eight at Nate Riggs Official. And also just kw.com um Nate dot kw jeez i messed that up nateriggs.kw.com and uh it's that simple uh email wise Nate nateriggs at kw so probably those four ways um check out the page instagram is where i'm at the most i ever respond to messages and comments and, and would love to see you there awesome awesome well i'll make sure to put that in the show notes but uh nate thanks for coming on i appreciate it hey i appreciate you having me and uh you know maybe maybe we'll catch you again on down the road yeah. Uh, uh, like I said, I'd love to, I love conversation.
0: Um, for everybody listening, manhood pod on Instagram, manhoodpod.com Uh, if you've got people you want us to interview, you want to reach out. If you have constructive criticism is always constructive as a key word. Don't just complain, offer a solution. But outside of that, we'll talk to you guys soon.